0: So yeah, when I was watching The Social Network, and Justin Timberlake said that line, I was with my wife, and we both just looked at each other like, oh my god, JT just stole my line! And everyone's kind of like, anyway, you know, going to look at me funny. But I mean, I'm not going to take credit that it was like my idea to talk Sean Parker out of using the, like, when I said that to him, He's like, Yeah, yeah, I know, but, you know, we need to look into it. So it's not like I just spawned that idea on him, but I definitely pushed back and I was definitely a designer that had to, you know, look into that visual exploration. That's Peter Markados.
1: He's the director of brand at Uber. He was part of a small team who designed Facebook's first brand identity and logo. We're going to hear the story of how a bunch of talented designers early in their careers designed one of the most iconic brands in the world. And, in the process of doing this, they turned down the opportunity that would have netted them wealth beyond their wildest dreams, but set themselves on a path for incredible success. Hi, and welcome to True North. My name is Ben Newton, and I'm from Loop 11. This is the podcast where we share stories of discovery and innovation. This story starts with a legendary design shop called the Cuban Council. They have now shut their doors, but over their lifetime, they played significant roles in the brand and identity of companies like Google, Zendesk, Cora, Evernote, NASA and a host of celebrities.
2: I was out here in 2000 and working for a startup and I was getting Sort of bored in the day to day. It was a software startup. We had eighteen-month release cycles. I'd be given some bite-sized piece of code to work on and have two weeks to do it. That's Mike Buzzard.
1: He's a co-founder of the Cuban Council and is now a
2: design manager at Google, where he's working on their
1: UX community and culture.
2: Generally, would finish building and code review and testing in a couple of days, and we had great bandwidth. So I was learning other languages at the time and just messing around. I was also involved in the design community there were a number of, uh, sort of inspiration design portals kind of a handful of really standout ones that were just pushing uh, the imagination and sort of what could be built at the time and i started reaching out to a lot of these these portal founders and trying to figure out how i could contribute either collaborating on something individually or building tools for their Existing sites. Eventually, one of the uh, founders from one of those portals, Michael Schmidt from Caliber 10,000, moved to San Francisco. We got to know each other in person, lived a few blocks away, started collaborating on projects involving Toka, who was still in London at the time. Uh, and we just had such a great uh, collaborative process. Uh, so we decided to start Cuban Council. So the
1: triumvirate of Mike Buzzard, Toka Nygaard, and Michael Schmidt set forth to, as their website said, carefully handcraft the world wide web. If you go to cubancouncil.com, their site still stands and gives you a real feel for their skill, dedication, and
2: personality. At the time, as, a, as an agency, you know, we were optimizing and tracking everything. I think we put 2,500 hours into the design. and. Build of the site, and we also built it as a business development tool. So we loaded all of our projects in there, whether they were shown or not. And then there was a whole custom experience. Like if, if we wanted to show you identity works, we could plug in your email address, and it would send you this this nice welcome email. And then you would get this filtered view of just those projects with all of the content details. So it took a lot of time to build it. I leave it up for a number of reasons. Some of them nostalgic.
1: Pretty soon, the Cuban Council was getting known for doing great work and being invited to pitch on the types of jobs that many of us wouldn't even dream of. One day it was in Manhattan, entering a Columbus Circle penthouse for a meeting with the billionaire Joe Ricketts.
2: So, we worked mostly with Alfred, who was uh, Joe's right-hand man. Naturally, every billionaire has a right-hand man named Alfred. And Alfred was great, and so we went to meet with Joe to talk about the site. So he'd create, he would was creating a film company, the American Film Company, and he was having this first film directed by Robert Redford. And this is another person who's got, you know, he owns the Cubs, he owns a bison ranch somewhere, all these different projects. And so we went up and it was like the 70-something floor, and the whole floor was his apartment. We just remember the elevator opening, and there was a, a housekeeper or somebody to, to walk us in. We went into the dining room and sat down, it was ceiling to floor glass looking south from Columbus Circle, 70 some stories up. So it was like the tree house of Manhattan.
1: The next day, it was explaining the finer points of flash to music legend Tom Waits, which may not have had the view of the Manhattan treehouse, but it was certainly a heady experience.
2: So we were in an, an inn sorry, up north near the coast and there were instruments all over the room, which was kind of funny, so it was like a piano and tuba or something hanging on the wall and we'd we'd be talking and the conversation would go a little tech and Tom would get up and he'd wander across the room and sit down and start playing piano and mumbling and I was just thinking to myself be cool be cool act like this happens every day so we just kind of kept cool and tried to explain to him as easily as we could you know what we were talking about and if Tom Waits
1: wasn't enough then there was also the Hollywood elite like Francis Ford Coppola
2: it's fun when you have a a celebrity client because you can do all kinds of research you can't normally do that for a lot of other clients and so we could learn about things that things that resonated with him and things not to talk about and not to show like we learned that he hated references to apocalypse now so we just kept anything of that style out of it he loved some of these old titling treatments from from these old black and white movies and so we incorporated some of that into our, our pitch and presentation just you know, because we thought it'd resonate with him. And I think that that was a fun advantage to have. Uh, So then we would work with Francis. He just loves being part of the creative process and we'd go stay on the property in Napa for a couple of days and they have a a guest house and um, he'd come over mid late morning and they'd have snacks and spread. And we would just sit for the whole day, talking through ideas and and trying to narrow things down and Francis loved the idea. We talked about um, a, digital newspaper, I think is what we had called it. Like he wanted this experience. He he kept asking for a magic carpet ride. So that was the expectation of what we had to deliver. And we would just sit at the office like, well, what the the hell is a magic carpet ride of a website?
1: So I imagine you're starting to get the idea of the caliber of people and projects the Cuban Council was used to, which helps to give
2: perspective when looking back at the Facebook. Well, we, we knew of... Sean, because he'd already done Napster. Uh, and then we learned about The Facebook at the time. They were still running the Facebook.com. I, th- I can't remember how many universities they were working with, but it was a good handful. Mark had just moved out from Boston to, to Palo Alto, and David Cho was working on the mural, the famous mural at the top of the stairs. Michael and I went down to Palo Alto to meet with Sean, I just want to grab coffee or we walk down University Avenue. I remember he said, would you guys be interested in, in doing the work for equity? And again, this was, this was probably early 2005 and just a few years after watching, you know, all the fallout from the dot com days. And so we knew a ton of people who on paper were very wealthy. And then a week later they owed hundreds of thousands of dollars to the government in taxes. And so that was just, uh, you know, we, we needed dollars for hours was sort of the approach. And so we said no you know, later obviously that was quite a learning experience but um but yeah we walked with sean we set up most of the project with sean mark got involved they came to the office one day sean had to take a call so he stepped in the room and it's just me and mark and i was in the middle of some code or something at the moment and he came over and just was asking what we did and i was a little confused i told him you know, we did design and development i showed him some of the development stuff we were working on and and when it came to design, he was asking more specifically what that was. And I, I thought it was odd because I'd just never been asked the question or probed on the question as far as what is design, just very generally. So I started asking him about the current Facebook site and I said, you know, why did you, why did you choose the color blue here? He said, cause I'm colorblind and like, that's the only color I could see or something like that. And then I said, well, why did you space the horizontal rule the way that you did here? He said, it just seemed right. So I told him that I guess as, designers or the design side of the company, we did what seemed right to most people most of the time. I, I just couldn't figure out I couldn't, if he was testing me or if these were legitimate questions, so that, that was the answer I gave. But he was, he was an interesting guy, very curious and, and very engaged, and like you could tell he was excited about what was going on at the time.
1: These days, outside of his work at Google, Mike helps companies identify a design need and then introduces them to designers he feels might be a good fit his passion for facilitating no doubt came from his days at the Cuban Council where they often brought in outside collaborators who provided specialist skills on certain projects two of those people who joined to work on the Facebook logo was Joe Kral an expert typographer and Peter Macedos an expert in collateral and brand packages
2: we brought Joe in He'd test pilot collective which was type foundry at the time they were doing all kinds of interesting work i think they did the, the, the main brand font for Citibank and a lot of larger known companies just would come to them. Um, they wanted a, a wordmark identity, and uh, so he was the best person we knew. Again, where was, this was really fitting the capability, and he was he was in San Francisco at the time. And then Peter was really well known for just just outstandingly detailed and well considered brand packages. We brought Peter in because we knew that he was he was the best person we knew to to do the work.
1: Before we hear from Peter, let me provide some context. Peter is the current head of brand at Uber. Before that, he ran a renowned branding and design agency called Marketos & More, who, amongst others, listed Adobe, Amazon, and Xbox as their clients. But back in 2005, Peter was in a different place.
0: Let's see, I just finished working for a company called The Online Investor. That's where I cut my teeth, basically designing interactive investing tutorials, like explaining stuff like splits and margins and that sort of thing and i was freelancing and i knew joe and also knew the cuban council guys and they they just kind of pulled me in peter's role in the facebook project kicked off after joe had finished his work with the facebook typography so when it came to me it was like we need to pick a color what do the business cards look like what's the letterhead look like we actually did a mark exploration for a while and i would say the Biggest thing that I had to do with the core logotype was whether or not we were gonna have the Facebook in there. If you go to Peter's LinkedIn
1: page, he's posted a copy of the email he sent to Sean Parker where he said,
0: Hey, I don't I don't think we need to do this. I think people are gonna call it Facebook in the future anyway, but they just didn't own Facebook yet, they just owned the Facebook. You know, sometimes as a designer you work on something and you just you intuitively know that this this thing that you're exploring isn't necessary, and that was definitely one of those moments. And I was like, well, even if you guys don't own Facebook.com, you guys eventually will. So yeah, when I was watching The Social Network and Justin Timberlake said that line, I was with my wife and like, we both just like, looked at each other was like, Oh my god, JT just stole my line! And everyone's kind of like, kind to look at me funny.
1: Peter is quick to say that he doesn't take credit for this decision. But you have to admit, when Justin Timberlake steals your line, you mark the day on your calendar. Having worked on such an iconic brand and at such an early stage in his career, I wondered how Peter's perspective and focus have been shaped by these events. He sums it up well when describing why he ended up moving from the agency
0: he founded to Uber. You know, I started looking around at, at different companies. It was very interesting. Google but I think the opportunity that attracted me to Uber was that it is such a small brand team here that the work that I will do here will shape this global brand. I mean, it's the the largest startup in the world.
1: As many of you may appreciate, if you've worked in a consultancy, you may have worked really hard, had a lot of great ideas, but in the end, it can all be trumped by a client's change of plan. It can leave you feeling empty, Moving to Uber was Peter's way of ensuring he had a seat at the table and could have a greater impact. This perspective also informs how he looks back in hindsight at the Facebook work.
0: I think that, you know, whether it's user experience, you know, brand strategy, I think nowadays it's inherent in any kind of creative process to look at your customers, talk to your customers, you know, try and hear what they like and what they dislike and if uh, Sean had come to me at MM to redo the Facebook logo, that would have been the first place that we started, is like, well, what is this gonna to mean to the people that use it? When pushed to
1: go deeper into his design thinking, Peter talks about finding the intersection between brand and product. And this was his focus at m M&M and
0: before he moved to Uber. The theme was that we realized as every client was coming to us to try and either you know, figure out their brand or figure out their product, whether it was a website or an app or what have you. When you're working on both of those things at the same time, you sort of realize that there's this kind of magical opportunity where those two things can meet. For Uber, the magical intersection back in the day was when you pushed that button to call that car and then you saw that car you know, kind of come on the map, come towards you. And I think that, that was that's the thing that I'm always trying to figure out how to, to light up because I think that's a moment of delight for a user. You know, a lot of times... I think brands and product are sort of developed simultaneously, but they don't really try and figure out where, those, where that intersection happens. Especially now being at Uber, there's so many opportunities for that. And that's just kind of a thing that I get excited about. You know, it's, it's the thing I'm, I'm passionate about trying to, to, to crack and figure out.
1: Looking back at the team who worked on the Facebook logo as a part of the Cuban Council Collaborative, it's hard to find anyone who hasn't gone on to achieve great career success. Many of them moved to Google via an acqui-hire of the Cuban Council in 2012. And as for the core team at the Cuban Council, well, they're still collaborating.
2: Oddly enough, you know, so everybody that came in uh, from Cuban Council to Google uh, is all, are all still here at Google. And in fact, some, um, some people from Cuban Council who had left before we joined Google have since joined Google too. So in a, in a weird way, like the family is still present in different corners of Google, and we do get together on occasion. We're pretty spread out now between New York and and uh, the Bay Area. And when asked about
1: any regrets that may arise from the Facebook logo project, Mike seems pretty content.
2: I've I've told people if I was in that situation again at that time, and coming from you know the, the near term background of watching the dot com collapse, we probably made would have made the same decision, but. In hindsight, it's—I mean—you just have to kind of laugh at it. I think when they IPO'd, I sent Sean a message on Facebook, just reminiscing about it. And I think what we charged for the identity is probably comparable to what David Cho would have charged for a mural at that time. Just guessing, but he—he he took equity where we didn't. There was speculative reports that it was in like the hundred million dollar range or something. It was. I don't know. It was funny. It it was definitely fortunate. I mean, we've seen all kinds of different opportunities over the years, some that we uh, seized and some that we didn't, either because we weren't aware. uh, So it's hard looking back. It's easy to say what we should have done, but there have been some we've we've gained and some we missed. The the upside was, I think, even to this day, because I leave the Cuban Council side up, there are still inbound project requests for identities, maybe to the order of one or one or two a week and some weeks five years after the company closed so we were never short for for work and identity after that
1: mike buzzard is a co-founder of the cuban council and a design manager at google peter marketos is the director of brand at uber and facebook well their logo hasn't changed much To find links from this episode, visit truenorthpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can also join the community and find all the episodes from Season 1 and the Master Series. True North is available on Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe or leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think of the show, so please rate us. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. True North is produced by Loop 11. We'll see you next time.